0: I have a few humorous things to, to tell to start with this morning. These are uh, references off of uh, different signs. Never do anything that you wouldn't want to explain to the paramedics. <laughs> that was on a fire station sign. Um, there's a, at a coffee shop a list of things to do today. Drink your coffee. Stay focused and positive don't freak out. Remember, stabbing people is wrong. And are you wearing pants? In connection to that, the, uh, I don't know which uh, military group, but someone took a screenshot, 2nd Battalion, 22nd Infantry Regiment, sounds like the Army to me. (laughs) It says, weekend safety brief. Like I said, this is a screenshot, so it seems like somebody actually sent this out. So over the weekend, don't add to the population, presuming that uh, you're not not married. Don't subtract to the population. Stay out of the hospital, the newspaper, and jail. (coughs) And the funny part is, if you do end up in jail, establish dominance quickly. (laughs) <laughs> and then I think my favorite one was this. This is uh, a weatherman, and uh, he's, there's snow predictions, icy predictions. And this is uh, somebody sent in, and the, the, the weatherman thought it was a good one. If you rarely drive on snow, just pretend you're taking your grandma to church. There's a platter of biscuits, two gallons of sweet tea in glass jars in the back seat. She's wearing a new dress and holding a pot full of gravy. Anyway, seemed funny to me. Um, I would certainly say this. If uh, you live in the deep south, um, you know, we first moved here. My wife went uh, back, I don't know, two, three weeks after we were here to get more of our things. And they had what they called the snow apocalypse. There was ice and snow um, from Dallas all the way to Jackson, Mississippi. I-20 was completely shut down. Now for us, you know, my wife from central Wisconsin, you know, living in Minnesota, living here, we have experience. The problem is that nobody down there, if you've grown up there, has any experience generally in driving in the snow, and there's absolutely no snow plows, no highway treatment they just don't have it because it like we never got anything like that in, in the almost 20 years we lived there and then she goes back for a quick visit after that and I think they were delayed coming back by 10 days um, anyway well let's uh, get started here this morning let us pray together our God and our Father we thank you Lord for this day please uh, bless us as we consider what it means to grow old in the faith Lord, uh, you call us by your providential hand to be your servants. You guide and direct our paths. You place all things before us. Help us to love you and seek you and turn our hearts towards you in caring for others, even in our time of need. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You know, on that last note, caring for others in your time of need, think of Christ on the cross, knowing that he is merely hours or minutes from dying for the world. and That's important, of course. He also is taking care of and making sure that the needs of his mother are cared for, right? Um, you know, I think I've shared this in the past at some point, but uh, um, my, my friend Dr. Rob, when he was lying on his deathbed mere hours from dying, they're calling all the family in well while they're calling the family in i'm sitting next to him and uh i was trying to figure out things to say to my friend who's you know like i said just hours away from going to eternity and he's conscious right he's 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 able to interact a little bit real weak can't really speak very loud and uh so i he and i served on the missions committee for a long time i'm sitting there and uh I just start talking to him, it's that time of year, to talk about all the missionaries and the support, and I'm sharing about all the ones I've talked to and what I'm hearing, and then I share, hey, I've got this one guy I can't reach. I can't get him through the website or the email, he's not responding, and uh, here he is, hours away from death, and he's he's trying to say something. I gotta get down next to his oxygen mask, and he's like, get my phone. So I hand him his phone, I'm not really tracking, and he's, he's in there trying to get his passcode in. He gets it in. I said, well, hey, I figured out then what he was doing. I said, well, let me do it because he's struggling. And here he is hours away from his deathbed and or from dying, and he's like, here, I want to make sure you can reach this missionary so we can continue support. Um, you know, w- we see things of that. And just reminds us... Um, to stay on task. You know, last night we had Bible and barbecue up at the house. It was a lot of fun. Good crowd out there. Had a good discussion. We're talking about the Christian and science. And uh, uh, we talked a lot about providence and God as first causes and what the Bible says about that. Uh, And, of course, part of being relevant is talking about um, modern way of thought, uh, the revival of... um, Greek and Platonistic theology, or theology, philosophy, um, that, that started in the Renaissance, that kind of revival, and it, it kind of comes to a, uh, this, this elevation of man, and Rousseau, and, and all of this, and um, w- one of the books I was using as a, as a good data point is Rush Duny's The Mythology of Science. I highly recommend it if you haven't read it or listened to it. If you have the Canon app, it's on there. Um, but in that book, he says, you know, the problem with the elevation of man, because what, what is what is Rousseau's, uh, one of his primary points? Well, that man is born good, right? And society is what corrupts him, right? So the problem is society. And and that gets it backwards, as Rush he says. You know, we, we think, right, th- that... Uh, you know, that God was is there, you know, man is preeminent and God was was created or exists for man instead of recognizing that we were created by God and that we exist for God, right? The the antithesis of what Rousseau is saying. And I think that's really important, whether we're aging, whether we're we're helping people with aging, uh, or people that are are struggling with health uh, situations, we want to be mindful of that. So a a good deal of today's talk is coming out of this little short booklet called Aging in Grace, Letters to Those in the Autumn of Life. That's where I kind of got the idea to call it a Sunday school series, Um, you know, the autumn of life for Christians. And in this, these are letters that he wrote. Um, to some friends about aging and, and getting older, and he wrote this when he was in his early 70s. He died at 79, and uh, he was born in 1772. So you can imagine um, he didn't have all the modern conveniences, um, you know. no one did, in order to deal with what today seems like just easy things we roll out to the doctor and take care of, um, you know, if you had arthritis, um, you, are, uh, you, you are struggling with that arthritis. Uh, his name is Archibald Alexander. Really great little booklet. What I also want to recommend is a little bit more complete works, Thoughts on the Religious Experience by Archibald Alexander. Um, neither one of these is that expensive, uh, but they're really good reads, very helpful. In, in, uh, in, in thinking about the process of, of being a Christian. And, and this book kind of covers all stages of life, and this one is letters that he's writing specifically uh, considering aging. The second one, thoughts on the religious experience. What's the other one? And the other one is aging in grace, letters to those in the autumn of life. Even though I've experienced dealing with aged in my own family and elsewhere, I felt like I really needed to go out there and do some due diligence and study. And so I I did a bunch of digging amongst the Puritans looking for uh, references. And then you listen to what that that guy, people that they're talking about that have been helpful to them. And that's how we got to John Flavel and uh, Providence that we were talking about last week. There's a quote uh, in the introduction where, uh, where there's a quote by him that says, There are always opportunities to do good in every condition of life, even when the hands are feeble and the back is bent with old age. As long as one has breath, one can speak words of wisdom and encouragement to the young and offer prayers for the good of the church, Instead of growing weary of life and bemoaning the inability to actively work and serve in days past, the elderly, listen to this, have a special duty to be prayerful, thankful, praising God, and glorifying Him with the heart, if not by the hand. Most particularly in the final chapter of life, one is here reminded of the, the blind and, and elderly John Milton's famous line, they also serve who only stand and wait. And so, you know, the point, of course, being here is that God deals with us in our lives. Um, I want to remind us that when, when we think about um, what we simply consider to be Um, the difficulties of not being able to do things physically anymore, um, that these are God's clear providences. Now, obviously, you should ask God for relief, but there's some of this that God is just doing in your life. Um, He's going to make reference to it. We'll touch on it later, but I want to point out that when Jacob is wrestling, right? He's wrestling with the Lord. Remember that story? And he won't let go until the blessing. And what, what blessing did God give him? He, he caused his hip to be, to, to be dislodged, right? I'm betting that that was not the blessing that, that Jacob thought it was going to, that he was asking for. Do, do you think that was what he was looking for? What did God do by dislodging his hip? Game of, thorn in the flesh. Game of thorn in the flesh. I think there's much more to it than this. But I, I mean, it's a real thorn in the flesh. I think the application is this He was moving him from being the getter done guy to having to now take his life experience, right? He couldn't chase the sheep anymore. Now he had to use wisdom and give direction and share that wisdom so others could go out in the field and do it. Right? He couldn't go. He wasn't making those journeys out. What do we see? We look at the story. His, where are his sons? They're out there. They're so far, he can't see them. He's at the home base. Right? So what does he have to do? He now has to go from a doer to A ruler who rules, not by being there, but by teaching and giving wisdom. So I I think that's a real important thing to think about, um, the importance for all of us. But certainly, if you have moments where you you can no longer do something, what is it that God has you to do? And one of those things is to take what you've learned, right? Right? And, and some of what you learned, you learned because you, you, you were in the thick of sin, right? And you gained wisdom. And sometimes you gained wisdom because you were trusting in God as you ought. Both of those have good applications for us to use. So let, let's uh, go ahead and begin today. You know, one of the things that, uh, you know, the older that you get... Um, it seems like time just gets away. He puts it this way in one of his letters. He says, time glides insensibly away, and it is with us in this respect, as things appear to be in motion, our feeling is that we are stationary. Right. so first of all, time flies, and as you get older and less mobile and you can't do as much, you notice that time keeps going on. Right, for, for our older crowd, which, we seem to be almost segregated, <laughs> right? Obviously, there's two guys over here say we want to be with the Asian wise people, right? But you but, but, but you, you look at your kids, you look at your grandkids, and you say, "Whoa, man, they're busy. They're rolling, they're, you're, they're rolling, they're going. Motion, everything's in motion. And you feel like you're stationary, right? Or sometimes, because you're trying to keep up with them, you feel like you want to be stationary. (laughs) But I I think part of this is, you recognize you can't run like them anymore, right? And so it seems as if life is merely passing you by because it's in continual motion, and you feel like you can't keep up. (coughs) What this does is this causes us to have a, a, a better understanding Okay? Christians are not rendered more deeply sensible of the awful importance of eternal things by becoming old and infirm the truth is that nothing but an increase of faith by the operation of the Holy Spirit will be effectual to prepare us for that change which we know is rapidly approaching right we know scripture say what does it say about death comes to everyone right Right? that's right but it is coming it's appointed once for every man to die And, and I think that's true that that's obviously a Marxist view a Satanistic view a that's right you know I was reminded of uh, I don't know how many of you guys were ever Star Trek fans but there's an episode in the in the next generation series where um, they become appalled because at a certain age um, basically they euthanize the the uh, the folks I think it was pretty Excuse me, pretty young, like uh, like sixty or something, um, before they get to be too much a burden to society, and it was simply considered your duty to do so. And of course, because of their their prime directive, right, they don't have any moral um, authority; they don't interfere interfere in other societies. It's as early as the 1840s and it, it began, it really picked up steam in the 1870s uh, to push God out of, out of all schools. And there was only, what, six, six blank Supreme Court justices? I don't know how many of the nine. It had to be more than that took. that was it. You know? And, so, and, and the trouble is,
1: Christians went along with it.
0: That's right. Which, which brings me back to the Star Trek episode is <laughs> God's, no, listen, this is important. They felt like they did not have any moral authority. Right? Where does our moral authority come from? It comes from God's word. And so we should stand up. Um, Now, I can't make them stop their practice, but I can tell them that God Almighty says that's wrong. Don't do that. Let's um, keep going. You know, we we need to think of this that that such a, a life to the aged or to the young must be a life of misery, for a man was never made to be idle. So he's talking about what happens to us when we get to a place where we can't do as much, right? You see this frequently. If we're realistic here, right? If you see somebody that's worked their whole lives, stayed busy, when they get to retirement, they have got to find something to do, they've got to find a mission. You find those guys, retire and stop doing a lot of times they're dead in a very short order okay so what what we have to do is God created us to labor but you know he designed labor to be something and designed us to do things he designed it in such a way that we don't do it all the same way I think that lesson of Jacob is helpful but it's also good for us to recognize that even in the service what I mean in the Lord's service, if you look at the rules, what, what was the age of military muster in the Bible? 20. 20. What was the age of being eligible to serve as a priest? 30. What was the age where the priest never was not allowed to do any more heavy lifting? 60. 50. So the sweet spot for laboring... In, in a very physical way, that's not to say they didn't go out and tend their garden or their, their livestock or things like that. But there was a recognition in God's design of how worship was to happen that, that, that there's a place at about 50 where you should be trying to stave off the same physical kind of labor you were capable of when you were 20 or 30 or maybe even 40, right? And, and, and understand, God saw that necessity. And By the way, what I'm referring to is the tearing down of the tabernacle and putting it back up and toting it. Once you were 50 years old, you weren't toting anymore. Right? That's what the scriptures tell us. So in God's design, in, in how he explains the world to us, he tells us there's this change. Now, do you think that, that all the 50-year-old Levites just stood around and did nothing? No. What were they doing? They were giving wise counsel. They were helping people be more efficient, right? They were teaching others. They were using what God gave them and their purpose. So idleness is unhelpful, excuse me, with, with young people. I'll tell you what, if you have an opportunity to have your kids be able to go work on a farm every summer, I'd say do it. Hopefully, the, you want to send them to a place where the farmer is a Christian, right? So that it's focused on them. But, but I'm telling you something. First, first of all, my general premise is, fathers hear me now, that, that young men need to learn work, but by the time they're 12 till they leave your house, you need to wear them out doing productive work. And you want them to receive some of the benefits, so they're doing productive work, for somebody cutting cutting lawns weeding gardens let them make the money now you're going to t- help them figure out how to budget that what eventually happens as the Lord works in their life <clears throat> I mean first of all you want them to be tired because you know what you don't give them things to do that you don't wear out their bodies idleness is you know we know that phrase what the devil's workshop basically when we don't do what God designed us to do that is to labor and work and take dominion right then then We get ourselves into all kinds of trouble. That's important, but the other thing that happens is that you know my my children, especially my sons, they worked in the summer and on the weekends. They were working in the vineyard all the time, working, 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 and and some of it was driving tractors, but a lot of it was manual labor and putting in fence posts and putting up putting up uh, trellis systems and I mean hauling stuff, a lot of things. By the time they got to college. They went to college, they worked hard, they got one job, two jobs. I don't think any of my kids rarely ever had a time where they didn't work at least two jobs. Some of them sometimes at times had three in order to do the things they were doing. Basically what happens is if you teach this, if eventually as God, and I'm saying that God works in their life, as you point them to Christ in these things, right? they take that on to themselves. Right? You're no longer doing it. it You know, there'd be these times I'd be going in at 14, boy, you gotta get up and go to work. Where then it transfers later, you know, my son is taking full-time course load, working three jobs, and he comes to me at night and says, hey dad, you know I'm working hard, I'm tired, I got this important exam tomorrow, would you mind coming in and checking me if you don't see me by such and such a time? Right, that there, that's a change, right? But that's God's work. But this is these are part of. There's a practical side. God designed us to be in physical bodies, doing things, working, etc. So to continue on, I, I want us to understand that um, we may not be any longer qualified for those labors which required much bodily strength. We may indeed listen here be so debilitated or crippled by disease that we can scarcely move our crazy frame. I actually meant to look up that word crazy in Webster's (laughs) 1828, to see if it means something different than I think. But it says this, and some of us may be vexed with excruciating pain, yet still we have a work to perform for God and for our generation. And so here are some bullet points. One, we are to employ our tongues to speak the praises of our God and Savior, right? That's our first call, right? To glorify God, even in our times where we are weak, infirmed, or as he said, suffering with excruciating pain. So that's the first thing. Um, Obviously, we do that when we come to church, but that should be part of our daily life. Are we giving praise? Remember, I talked about in a sermon not too long ago where I said, get up in the morning, look outside. Thank God for creation. Thank Him for the sunlight. Thank Him for waking you up. Praise Him for all the good gifts He's given us. And we need to do that. It's easy to do when everything's going well, but we need to continue to thank Him and give Him praise even in times of hardship. Um, Number two... We may drop a word of counsel to those around us, and especially um, the aged owe a duty to the young. Now, you're going to notice that he uses this word duty, right? This is the second time it's already come up in things that we're saying, right? God created us to glorify him, and he's given us tasks, and these are our duties, right? In, in American world, we don't like duty unless it's about the military. We got a duty there, but when we say duty in the church, I thought I chose God. Well, of course, we know that's not true, right? Now we're called. Our duty is to obey Him, right? Our duty is to do the things that He calls us to do. So we have a duty to the young. To drop a word of counsel to those around us. I like how he puts that, right? He doesn't say give advice. And they're going to take it. What he says is, drop a word of counsel. right? And if you're doing it to glorify God, and if you're pointing them in their situation to God and his word, right? who then does the work of changing their heart and mind? The Holy Spirit. right? Sometimes we get up, ah, if, if I do it, they don't even listen. No, your duty is to continue, because they come and they ask. Right? If you have adult kids that aren't serving God, sometimes they come and ask you, man, take advantage. Drop the word. They're you in a can situation.
1: Drop a word even if they don't. <laughs> What's that? You can drop a word even
0: if they don't. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that was going to be the next thing. You stole my line. <laughs> yes, sir.
1: Yeah, I've mentioned before, but I appreciated uh, Eileen Gervato for a lot of things. But one of them was she was sitting behind us in church. We had a very young family at the time, <coughs> the normal chaos, you know. <laughs> And she's after church. She 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 taps me. She says, "Jonathan, you know what's going on in your row." I says, "I have no idea. I'm trying to pay attention up ahead. I, I don't, you know." And she said she pointed out what's going on between who and what's causing this. And she brought this up. I wasn't I wasn't asking or wondering. I just was you know trying to make it through the chaos. And she, <laughs> she took the time to point out to me something I couldn't see, very graciously, from her years of experience, and that helped me. So I was very grateful to an older saint who who took the time. Who offered, as Jackie said, a word when I hadn't even asked?
0: That's right. That, that's so helpful. Um, so here's a question, though. <clears throat> Why are we so silent when the suggestions of our own conscience urge us to speak something for God?
1: We think they'll turn against us.
0: They'll turn against us. So so what what he su- what he suggests is this he even puts it so directly he, you know why do we have so he tags in you know we, we spend lots of time speaking about unprofitable things, just talking about whatever, right He says, but let's be honest <clears throat> it's that we feel like we cannot be a hypocrite. in other words, I failed in this area, so What can I do? Or maybe I'm even failing now. He says, it's easy to see where the fault lies. It is in the state of our own hearts. Okay? So, what do we do? What we need to do is to get our hearts habitually under the influence of divine things. And then, a conversation on this subject will be easy as on any other subject. So, if, 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 you, if you're not living consistent yourself, confess your sins, live right, because what's normally undercutting us is our own hypocrisy, our own unfaithfulness. Repent of your sins, and again, if, if it's repentant to people, that's part of it, right? Do those things so that you can what? Be freed up under the grace of God to share these things. Because we, we've all been there where we, we've said something or we've been in situations where someone has tried to correct somebody and they go, well, you didn't do it that way, you're right, Well, then you say, you're right. I sinned in that way awful. And I am trying to tell you, look to God. Don't look to, to my poor example. Don't look, no, please look to God. Because... This brought all kinds of hardship. This brought difficulty. Right? So repent, make right, don't hesitate. If you've been forgiven by God and you've done what you can to restore relationships where you've sinned against it, trust God that His grace is sufficient. Right? And speak and let God be the one to direct us. Can't get my watch out. Two minutes. All right. Um, uh, One of the things that he says about speaking is that we need to do this so that it proves salutary. Now that's not a common word anymore. You might find it in like traditional church prayers. It is good and salutary. The Webster's 1828 says this, something that is salutary is promotive of public safety, contributing to the public safety. So sometimes, we got it's like this, you, you would tell a child, hey, don't put your hand in the fire, right? Why do you say that? Who here has ever been burned by fire or, or the stove or the, the iron, right? All of us, right? So we're speaking from what?
1: Experience, Experience.
0: right? And you know, I'm saying all these things and you're, you're kind of like, yeah, this is 101. But you know what? That is the Christian life. We need to hear God, be reminded of God, of the basic things. Right? I want to encourage you, you young people, those two in the back. Listen. (laughs) Hear. Take advice. And you know what? The truth is, sometimes we, your pastor included, may be saying something to you, and (coughs) some of it's very applicable, and they don't understand other things, so take the good things, and I'd at least contemplate the things that you're not sure about, right? Sometimes people see things in us that we can't see in ourselves, and we might not think that the advice is applicable, right? But but it, it truly may be. For those of our older crowd, don't hesitate. Don't hesitate. Do things to bless the church, You know, public safety, what's the number one public safety thing? You are an eternal being, and unless you're right with God, you are going to perish eternally. Everything else, all other concerns about public safety, are truly secondary to that. Would you agree? So we should strive to be salutary to the community around us. You have purpose, you have a call. And we're out of time, so the other three points we will cover next week. We'll do a brief introduction and then cover this. But I, I, I hope you're finding this, for our older crowd, I hope you're, you're, you're being stretched and admonished and given hope to the, the extended life God has given you. Right? For you younger folks, I hope that you are hearing and, and, and saying, I got to get to know some of these people on this side of the church. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay? <laughs> Would you say help? <laughs> That's Robbery right. Works. We got <laughs> 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 So. mother was sitting up in the back, she'd probably die in 2,000 dips. But, but, you know, that loving look of that pastor who had been to the war, he was still wearing his uniform. The love that he had stays with you all your life. The Lord is my Shepherd. And those things that
0: and we serve a God who who can bring that peace uh, to us. So let's not be hesitant to share God's love and peace and truth. Um, And in that very same way, let's, let's go before the Lord and ask him to bless our service today. Our God and our Father, we thank you, Lord, for your great kindness. We thank you, Lord, for waking us up today and bringing us together and giving us the strength to be here. Be with those who are unable by sickness Um, or your providential hand to not be among us. Strengthen them this day. Heal all the sick children that we have amongst our congregation. Raise them up. Lord, be with uh, our our brother um, Joe Green and bring healing and direction to his doctors. Lord, we pray, Father, that you would uh, continue to bless us. Please prepare our hearts for worship and the renewal of your covenant promises to us. For your son's sake, Jesus.